Come on, you gotta have something like this to get started. Well, here we are again, sports fans. Episode seven of the AD Vantage, the Advantage. And we're not in the bunker today. We're actually in the main office at Walt Women High School. The reason why is because only a fool like me would be here on a day like today. But I also have with me one big special guest today. He's more than six feet away from me. He's actually seven <laughs> feet away from me right now. And that's the principal of Walt Women High School, Mr. John Murphy. How are you doing today, Mr. Murphy? I'm doing good, Dr. Wright. Uh, I'm wishing that this wasn't happening because I miss my kids and I miss being on the fields watching our spring sports. I know. I think uh, I think you definitely prefer being out there as opposed to sitting here with me today. But you know what? It's uh, these are the crosses we have to bear, unfortunately. Just out of curiosity, um, you know, in, in your years in education, how long have you been in education, by the way? Uh, Twenty-one years. I've been in either a teacher, assistant principal, or principal, and here five years at Whitman. Five years at Whitman, and what brought you to Whitman was, you know, not just a job opening, but what what was it that really got you here? What is it? Uh, that you really liked about this place that you applied? I, I got to be honest with you. The biggest thing that got me was the school community, the community in general, uh, the amount of people that are alumni and their kids, their grandkids still go to Whitman. In fact, my wife, when I first applied for the job, my wife first said that's where all her uh, cousins went it went to Whitman and how much they they would look back and see how how such a positive a time it was of them being graduate women. So I thought what better place to come was than to come to Walt Women High School. And you also moved here too. you. I'm not going to tell everybody your address, <laughs> but I think most people know, but you live in the district now too, don't you? I do. I've lived here now for a little over two years. My wow. son is an eighth grader at Stimson who will be coming up to me next year. Um, who it, it, That will be a little interesting, but we'll enjoy, we'll enjoy trying to navigate that between being a principal and a parent all at the same time. So you took a chance. See, I actually waited till I got tenure before my daughter came here. She came here as a junior, my little one anyway. But uh, I've, I've lived here 32 years, and it feels like I just moved here yesterday. But your role here is is not just as principal. You know, you've, you seem to be more um, in touch with the community. Um, what do you attribute to that? Well, I think, I mean, I think it's just my life experience as a teacher, even as a student when I was in high school. I graduated from Brentwood High School which um, in the 80s and 90s was very similar to what Walt Women High School is, a very diverse community. Um, and the one thing that I felt that was lacking at Brentwood, and I think which, which didn't help its growth and didn't help it, uh, and didn't help it foster into a different generation of, uh, and keep connections with their own community, um, is the fact that we have people that come to this school uh, that don't even have students here anymore, that have, have kids that have graduated to come see our sports programs and see our plays and activities. It really has become a center point of this uh, the district, meaning it doesn't matter if your kids or go, kids go here anymore or even if they went here. They, the events that we have, the activities that we have, draw everyone and anyone into, into this building. And that's been something that's been a real highlight. And I love it as a principal because I want to attract outside community members into the school. I want to be able to let them know that this is a place that they should come and relish in the fact that they live in a community such as ours and that we have great kids that are going into going going to do wonderful things for uh, for future generations. And that's it's just awesome to be able to see you out there every day. I, I guess from someone, you know, in athletics that, you know, you get a chance to get out there and get to every game. And I, I like to go to the plays on occasion or, or a musical event. 
But as a young father and and uh, and husband, how how were you able to manage that? I have a very understanding wife, um, and I have an understanding family. My son understands. My son's been with me. He comes with me as much as he can, even before we moved here, um, even before I came to Whitman. Um, even as a young child, he's always known that he's been a part of my life where when I go somewhere, he comes with me. Um, but I have to be honest, my wife understands she's an educator. Um, the most important thing I can do is to make sure that every student, doesn't matter if you have, you're have a student with both parents, one parent, no parents, that they know that there's somebody on the sidelines, somebody in the audience, somebody at your club or activity that cares about you and that wants to see you be successful because that can be the motivating force between success and failure. Um, you're on a field, and I remember being playing sports in high school. And both my, I had both two wonderful parents, but they both worked two full uh, two full time jobs and sometimes more. But it was much more motivating to see someone on the sidelines wait, rooting for me and saying my name out loud. Um, and I played that much harder. I worked that much harder, and I thought, and I and I just I, that kind of relates to what I want to do for every kid. It's funny because you, you and I joke around a lot. I said, you know, you you end up coming next to me on the field, and how many how many times have I had to tell you not to clap so loud or yell so loud. <laughs> I always like to take a little bit of a back seat and just kind of watch. I'm but. not a backseat person. In fact, I think you actually asked me to get off the field when I start talking to reps. Yes. yes. <laughs> Listen, I love my kids. I love, I love my students. I love them like they're my own children. That's the, that's the way you have to do this job. Sure. You need to know, they need to know that it's not just a paycheck that you're in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact I just got off the phone with a kid that graduated four years ago, just because he was asking because he drove by and saw he's away. He's back from college, and he goes, "I saw your car there, of course, in the parking lot." And he just wanted to come and see how I was doing, and if I needed something. That's that's the connection you have to make as an educator, and and that's the most important thing you can do. Now, when you got here five years ago, um, you took over from Miss Acker, who did a great job as principal, and you know, she took over Jim Polanski, and it was always tough shoes to fill. When when you got here, what were some of the things that you saw that you felt you wanted to put your mark on? right away, something you had learned in a a previous job or experience? Um, Biggest thing was for the kids to know who you are. I I had worked with other principals and I've worked in, and I've I've worked as, as under principals that leave their mark just through paperwork or just sitting in office. They know that they know the, the name on the door, not the actual person behind it. And one of the biggest things that my, from my first year to even now is getting my staff, my teaching staff, my administrative staff, they need to know the kids' names and they need, and you need to know theirs. Not only just know their name, what their, you know, what their pluses, what they have in their life, what do they love to do, their strengths, their weaknesses, um, how can you help them? Because the more that you get to know them, when I deal with parents, even if it's for negative situations, um, I deal with parents, they, they understand that it's not just me making a decision and I don't know their child. I know their child and they may not like the decision, but they're going to respect it a lot more because they know that I that I know them and I know who they are and I know what their kids or their family is going through. Um, without that connection, you're you're an empty shell. You're an empty coat. So, you know, they need to know that that it's important that they you keep pushing that you keep pushing for that human connection. I think that's a, a great credit to you, John, as a as a principal to do that. I, I always I remember the first year you were here when you we went to sports awards, one of the first sports awards, and I, I put you on the spot by getting up there to read the names off. And uh, you had a little bit of trouble with a couple of the names, but <laughs> I won't let you up there anymore because you kind of outdo me when I get up there. So it's, um, again, that, that knowledge of kids is something that uh, is lost on a lot of administrators in a lot of schools. Um, I know we all try hard to do those things, but 
you know, certainly that's been something that we appreciate. Um, the fact that you do get involved, that you do know the kids. Um, what's been your past experiences with um, your teaching? What What was your major? What was your major in college? I was, I was where did you go to college? I, well, I went a couple places. I went. I actually started Suffolk Community because I didn't have I didn't have the the means to go away to school, so I ended up going to Suffolk for two years and then transferred to St. Joe's in Stony Brook for my undergrad um, and master's in education, social studies, and English. I taught, uh, then later on went for my administrative degree at Stony Brook and then currently finishing up at St. John's for my doctorate. Um, it yeah, was, how's, that, how's that going, yeah, by the way? Going, when I have the time to write, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was also, the get the doctorate was, I, you're talking about somebody who started at community college. Not because I wasn't intelligent or smart enough. I started community college because that's where I had to go. And I and, and I appreciated what I got from them. And it, it kind of, I like to, to lead by example, a kid that a, a newly a newly immigrated student that thinks that they should that they can't go to college, I tell them all the time. I went to college. It, it's not about what you come from, how much money you come from. It's about the drive and focus you have to get there. Because twenty years ago, there's probably people who had never thought I would be, let alone a principal, as one of the youngest principals in, in Suffolk County, but also to be able to be you know working towards my doctorate. It, it's because and it's not because I didn't have the intelligence. It's because they just think, thought they when they look when you look at somebody and they say, well, they don't have the money or they don't have the means, they, they won't amount to much of anything. And that's something that that you know you kind of want to break that norm. And here, I think the kids do a great job because they break that every day. Now you came here with really a little bit of knowledge of the district based on what your wife had. What did you expect when you walked in the door that first day? It was funny. I, I didn't. Well, I I knew I knew because. You can look at a district on paper, and that can tell you nothing about the district. Um, I knew the district was diverse. I knew that we had that there was a lot of um, that there was a lot of diversity, not only in the district itself, meaning among the students, but also the community itself. Um, pockets of all types, uh, all types of, uh, of people from region, other regions and ethnicities, religions, um, and it was nice because I think what I drew the most from was my younger experience in Brentwood, because um, Brentwood was very much that in the early '80s and '90s, and I thought. And, it, and I, I kind of loved it because I loved everything about my community when I was a kid. I loved the diversity. I loved being able. I felt it gave me an advantage um, in, in life because I was I never felt uncomfortable in a situation. I was always able to, to find to find pathways to success because I didn't let things limit me. Um, and so much so as I thought it was so exciting that I wanted my son to experience that because I had such a great experience as a kid growing up in, in a diverse community that I thought that it was beneficial for my son to get the same experience. Very good. Talking about uh, some of the things that you've implemented here in your five years here, what's, what's some of the things that you've done um, that's really turned us, not turned us around. I mean, we were in a good place um, in the past, but we've seemed to have risen a little bit above the bar in certain areas. And, and what would you say some of the things you've done to help get us to that point? I think, I think it's, changing teachers and students mindset uh, mindsets to that they can achieve and do something i think as as a group as as anybody human nature is we tend to find that we tend to find negativity more uh, more appealing sometimes when we're talking about ourselves that oh i can't do that or you know i'm never gonna be able to make it or i can't and you know your best athletes let's talk about sports like the difference between a good athlete and a great athlete is not because of ability. Most times it's because their commitment to say, I can do it and to push their own, their, their, their own, 
abilities and keep pushing. Um, it, it's really a mental aspect. I think that's the same thing for any community or any academics is getting a kid to say, I can be an AP student. I can be, I, I can be an honor student. I can go to college. I can be successful. Um, and changing teachers saying, and making sure that teachers, although we have, I got to be honest with you, the best teachers I've ever worked with in my 21 years. Um, they're dedicated. They're, they're, they, they're resourceful. They really put the effort and emphasis in and I, and I, and I couldn't be prouder of my staff, but changing their mindset to say, how do I support those students to make sure they're successful um, and alleviate the ability for them to make excuses or for them to, 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 not, to not put that extra effort in. And that takes a lot more work. It's a lot easier to let somebody just give up on themselves than keep being the cheerleader and push them forward. So I think, and I think we've done a good job because you're looking at, I mean, for a district that has, you know, 50% is only 50% Caucasian and the rest uh, mo mainly Hispanic, African-American, um, Middle Eastern, to have 93% of our kids go to college, 96% graduation rate. And yet you look at other districts that are similar to us and they couldn't hold a candle to what we do. And that's not because we have better kids. That's not because um, their kids can't do it. I think it's because the staff and the, the staff, the mindset the staff has and the drive and will and the mindset the students have to be successful. I also think that's why our sports programs are so good. I mean, that translates. What you learn in the classroom translates to the field and vice versa. And I think getting that I'm going to do it kind of type of attitude is going to help them no matter what in life. So I, I, think, I, think, it's been, I think it's been successful. So you're a millennial, I think, right? I mean, nope, you, I'm a year. Are, I am are not you, are a, millennial. You a millennial. Damn. I'm not a millennial. I thought I had you. I <laughs> thought I had you. Thank God I'm not a millennial. <laughs> okay, but you're right. You're just right on the cusp. I'm a year I'm a year, uh, you're old, removed. A year too old. Well, it depends removed. on what thing you look at in the paper. <laughs> but, you know, just talking about millennials for a second. And, and the kids that we're teaching today, the kids that are in our schools today, they're not millennials, that, that generation. Mm -hmm. um, I think the last date of birth is either 2000 or 2001, depending on where you read. Most of these kids were born after 2002. Are you noticing, and I talked to Andrew about this yesterday, um, are you noticing that these kids are a little more pragmatic in dealing with adverse situations on their needs and wants as opposed to a few years past where you might have had a couple of younger millennials? <laughs> I think they are. I think definitely are, they are more pr pragmatic. Um, they're definitely more apt to finding, to, you know, to rationalizing or working through problems. Um, they're deaf, uh, the, you know, they're much more linear and are sequential in thought. They're, they're able to get past the problem and look towards and look towards um, what the future may hold if they, what, and what decisions they make that they're not just in the here and now making decisions like that, which, which you kind of attain to being a millennial type of a way of thinking. Um, they're not self-centered. They're a little more what's uh, what's the best for not only me, but for overall for everyone. Like, so I, I do agree with you. I don't know what to attain it to. I think it's, I also think maybe it's because this generation is, has grown up with stimulus, meaning electronic, social media, everything else, that sometimes that may be an adverse reaction where it's given them the ability to kind of branch out and see a different viewpoints or it's, or maybe had the negative where they just, they've been oversensitized and they don't want to deal with it. Like, and they, and they, they, they kind of remove themselves from it. I don't know, but it, but definitely see a difference between say ten years ago graduates to uh, to to the graduates I have now. Yeah. 
I mean, great kids. Great kids, both. Great kids. Yeah. It's just a different, different, different mindset. Different mindset. Again, you know, in, in dealing with what we're dealing with now, I mean, I think we're in day 18 of lockdown. Um, and we've missed, what, 14, 15 days of school so now. My, my best friend's a volleyball right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, if you if you watch Mr. Murphy's uh, videos, he's got uh, Wilson. He stole one of the volleyballs from my uh, from my bin over at the gym, and uh, now he made a little bit of a Wilson out of it. But I think the adversity that we're dealing with right now is part of the reason why we have uh, kids being so pragmatic. I mean, I, I keep forgetting Hurricane Sandy was eight years ago, and you know those kids lived through that uh, a week or two without power. And then uh, you know, granted, they might have been born after nine eleven, but their parents that are raising them might have been a little shell shocked after nine eleven. So maybe that's what we can attribute to. But just you've done shifting gears really fast here. What you've done some crazy things here. You've dressed up in costumes, you've uh, put on shows, you've been a part of the school play. Senior Follies, it's hard to make fun of you because <laughs> you, you kind of like to make fun of yourself sometimes more. But what's the craziest thing you've done here so far, you think, that you said, oh, wow, this isn't going to go well for me? <laughs> um, or is there one? Or I don't is it, know. I think, or is I it just normal for you I to do those things? Normal. Yeah. I think I think you have to – you can't be so serious. The position – cannot make you so serious that you can't laugh at yourself because the minute you become impersonal or that you can't let a kid rib you at your own, uh, you know, at your own expense to get, to make a greater connection between you and that person, then I don't know what else. I I mean, I think the craziest thing was jumping in a dunk tank during a lightning storm my first year. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't too bright. (laughs) I remember that one. That wasn't too bright. That was during homecoming. I think, uh, I mean, you know, painting my face during powder puff and like and and getting the kids riled up. I mean, it's it's all in good fun because the more you get into it, the more the kids get into it, the more the staff gets into it. You're you know, you're I'm for, you know, and I don't ever like to say that I'm a general or that I'm a leader. I think that everyone's a leader in some form, some form or another. But if you're the first boots on the ground and you're doing those things to make this school better, I guarantee you the people behind you, the students, the staff. They're going to follow. They're going to follow. They're going to toe the line, and they're going to follow suit. Um, so if you can't make a complete, you know, you know, you know, complete mockery of yourself, then what's the or get the, do something to get them motivated, even though it's a little bit out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Then, then how are you going to expect that teacher or that student to do it? So mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta lead first, or you know, or you're not going to be able to do it. So, well, you have um, you have a soft spot in your heart for a certain subject area. Based on your uh, your teachings coming up, so it's it's social studies, right? Yeah, I was a social studies teacher. And and what's what area? I guess what um, what time frame? What time in history? I is gave, your, so is your I, I taught I taught American history. Um, I taught American history at both the high school, and middle school level, and then I taught AP politics, which was uh, and really American history was my favorite. It was my favorite subject. Uh, every anything from colonial days, world. I mean, really any of the wars. I love. I, I loved. I love being able to to get students to realize what uh what that time period is like, not only on the battlefield or or what, it, but what was the technology like? What was home life? What 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 were they going? What what was going on in the minds of of the people outside of just your normal day battles or 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 your dealing with conflicts? You're uh, most people might not know this, but you're an army brat, aren't you? I was. I actually I grew up in Germany for the first seven years of my life. I didn't know English until <laughs> I was seven years old. 
Um, Can I, you still I, speak German? No, because when I got here, I mean, I, 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 my English was broken, but you moved to Long Island. If I moved to Minnesota, maybe I would have used German a little bit more. Maybe. But, uh, but here, nobody spoke German, so I lost right. it, unfortunately, very quickly. Um, but, you know, I, was, it, I, I spoke more German than I did English. Um, but it was the great experience. My father was a, was a helicopter pilot. We grew, I was born in Alabama. My brother was born in Germany. And then we stopped traveling when I was about seven. So and then he, he full-time at an army base out east. Okay. That's, I had to think for a second. You just you threw me off. I got, I got kind <laughs> of, uh, I got kind of uh, tongue-tied on that. But as, uh, you know, obviously, as an army brat, and, you know, we say that it's not a derogatory term. It's no. just uh, you, you go from place to place. Now, is your brother older than you or younger my than you? My brother's younger. Younger than you? Yeah, okay. my brother is younger than I am. He lives in Florida. So you, you actually were young enough to remember the experience in Germany. So what was it like being in Germany? And It was surreal. I remember, and I, I took my wife maybe 10 years ago. We went to go visit where I grew up. Um, I hadn't been there since then. And um, it really was, it was an eye-opening experience because culturally, even though we would probably see ourselves as being similar to a Euro- European countries, completely different mindset, uh, their work ethic, everything was, you know, everything was, was very different when I went to Europe. I, I liked going back there and remembering because I got to be born of both worlds. I was, I grew up and I started in, in a European school system because that's because I, my father was an officer, so I didn't live on the base. So I went to school with, with, uh, with, with Germans. I, I spoke, that's why I spoke the language more than English because I, that's who I interacted with most, uh, mostly. But I still had an American household and lived. So I it was it's kind of it was kind of interesting and in being able to remember, especially when we went back, that culturally we are completely we we're almost completely opposite end of the spectrum. Wow. They're very lackadaisical, they're very much laid back. Germans? Oh, they they're they still it depends on what region of the country. And if you're in southern Germany, very laid back, very mountain people, just not um, like you, you think like uh, sound of music, like like they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like Bavaria, and then you go to when you get to northern Germany, very much more industrial. Okay. Not even on the Berlin side, but okay. they're 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 very industrial. But they're it's a it's a different like they don't mind taking three weeks off for holiday. They don't mind. It's it's interesting. So now tell me tell me the twenty three and me story. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> that was the so, se- that was the segue so I was wife, looking for. So yeah. My wife for my birthday got me. A DNA kit. Now I'm obviously last name Murphy. I've been told my whole life that I'm almost 100% Irish. That my father was 100% Irish. My mother. Um, I took this 23andMe. I'm not even. I'm like I think it was like 13% Irish, and I'm mostly English. And so now my life's a lie. I've lived my life as a lie. I'm not Irish. I I now I'm, I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. I don't even know who to identify with. Yeah, well, you do, but you just don't want to because <laughs> everything in your wardrobe is probably green. And, you know. Well, you know what? It's those. Darn English, you know. What what grinds your gears here? You know, here in South Huntington, what what grinds your gears? Because it's not per you know we're we're not Nirvana. Plus, yeah. you know we have good days, we have bad days. But what's what's something that just when it hits you, you just uh, I've got to go off on this. The worst thing, apathy mm-hmm. on anybody, yeah. anybody. I, I'm I I come from obviously in my own even my life, I from military household hold and just even just my own work ethic. I hate apathy. Apathy is like my kryptonite. I I will help anybody if you're trying, even if you don't even know how to try. You just you just you're willing to try. Is it? But when you have when you when you're just so apathetic that you don't care, or you, you give this persona that you don't care, mm-hmm. it is like nails on a blackboard to me because you should care because you, I believe your life is more, means more than that. Whether you're a teacher 
a student, a parent, um, I believe that your opinion or what, you know, I want you to have the same drive to be successful as I want you to have. Or, and, and mm-hmm. when, when you, and apathy breed, really just breeds uh, disaster. It, it's, it breeds failure. Because when we're so apathetic that we don't want to be successful, we don't care if we don't we don't care if we fail. Yeah. Um, so I guess that would be the biggest thing that I have that I, that bothers me the most. So when you were the AP at Brentwood, and your role over there was what is a which what kind so of AP? I started were you? off with it as a discipline. Uh, the assistant principal in charge of discipline for three years, and then and then Brentwood's huge it's about twice the size of Whitman I think my grad my last graduating class was 4300 it's three I think it's three times the size yeah it's it's almost three to when I when I left it was about twice about twice the size um and there is actually little in fact it's actually two high schools used to be two used to be two but it's still even run like two it's too big to run like one so for my last four years there I was I was the principal of the Sonneling Center I ran the Sonneling Center under the person so basically it was like I, I I was I was in charge of that center, but still uh, reported to what they would be the lead principal in charge. Mm-hmm. So I did that for four years. So I got I got to kind of work up the ranks and learning what discipline was like, and then and then actually how the, the inner workings of how to run a building on my own. So who did you who did you model, or did you even model, or did you develop your own leadership style to bring here, or is there somebody who influenced you in your years in education to set? the tone for what you might do if you ever took charge of a building. It's funny you say that because I've tried so hard to figure out. Uh, I've had the same question myself and I think it's, it's got a couple layers to it. Um, there are, two, there are two people in my life that I would say that I've tried to emulate as an administrator and a teacher. Um, one was impressional because that person drove me to go into education and I loved his whole persona and who he was as a person um, and his work ethic and drive. The other one was my former principal but if I just ended there, I would. There's no growth. As a teacher, you know that you don't just stop growing at one, you know, after one year. I think that those two people in my life were instrumental in getting me to find a direction. But I think there's other people along the way, um, even from. And you can learn from anyone. I learned from my APs, even though I'm a principal. I learn from my APs all the time. My superintendent, Dr. Bernardo, even you. There are things that I. You have to be a student of watching people and how they and how they interact, and you will always learn something from them. Sometimes you learn something you don't ever want to do, but you always are going to learn what you what, something from them, no matter what. See, that's where it would apply to me is where you learn things you don't <laughs> ever want to do. Listen, you, I'm not going to say you that. Just, I think you're just jealous that I have the golf cart. And you don't. <laughs> I want right a golf cart. You know what? It's really upsetting. I want a golf cart. Well, you know th- that golf cart has a history. That that's not my <laughs> golf cart. That was actually the trainer's golf cart back in the '90s. Scott Wolf. I mean, you're talking about the the, wooden, the one with the, the wooden, wooden, yeah. wooden back, yeah, and that that was Scott's, and that thing has gone through hell over the years. How old is that golf cart? Oh, it's got to be 25, 27 Are years you old, maybe. Oh yeah, Scott. When Scott came on as the he was the trainer here first before he was a teacher. Before, well, yeah, I think he came on a student trainer and then a part time te- uh, not a student trainer, a trainer and a part time teacher. Part is his wife. No wife, excuse me. His sister. Yeah, worked at Brentwood. Worked at Brentwood. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. It's it's there's these little connections here, you know. And Scott being the Scott being the senior man, but yeah, he was a he was a trainer back then. That was his golf cart. I've kind of beat it up a little bit since then, you know, putting the entire field hockey team. I on think it. we should just steal the securities golf carts. 
Oh my God! You know, Do you see those things? It's like, like the Mercedes. It's like a new golf car. Cart. It's like a new car dealer. They got those golf carts. They got the trucks. They got the plow. They got everything else. Well, how does Ray do these things? I, I think that we need to start. Either we get on the books as security guards and get these things. Yeah, or that's we just take. Oh, that's my retirement job. Maybe <laughs> that's my you know, job. I might come back and <laughs> you know sit in the golf cart and go. Ah, I, I know your mother. Or I know your father. But oh my God. I mean, you know, certainly we have some characters here. You know, and you know, Ray's obviously our favorite character and. As as teachers go, who's who's a character that you kind of really love as a as a character teacher, and oh you know, good God. teacher too at the same time, obviously. But because we have great there teachers are here, some, there are some. I mean, there are some characters I love. I mean, for the zaniness, I can't go further than like for Graz. Uh, you know, Graziano has to be the zany one, but the one I love uh, just as much. It's kind of like an unsung hero is Lacko and Pippolo. Mm-hmm. Pippolo more especially because he's so quiet, but he's so zany and he has some great zingers and he just he he connects with his kids. So I think those three are probably I don't want to say I want to say all my staff won't be politically racist. I love all my staff, but those three are the best. It's funny you say that because three out of four of them were on the uh, my teachers poll for most popular teacher, and the fourth one was Malazzo. Malazzo won. Really? I yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Malazzo must have gone into ten Twitter accounts and voted ten oh times. Oh my god, that's funny. Hey, listen, we got a minute left. I got to wrap it up. But is there anything you got to say in like the next fifteen seconds? I want to say uh, thanks, and I love this community, and I'm really glad to be a part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing my students uh, in the near future on the fields and in the classrooms. John, we're glad to have you here. It's a real pleasure to have you, and uh, you know, we, hopefully, we get back to school soon. But uh, I appreciate you coming in today. Hey, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to wind out of here with a little Billy Joel. Another day at the Advantage, the AD Vantage. John Murphy today, Principal of Walt Women High School. I hope you guys had a good time. But remember, social distancing, be responsible, and help to flatten the curve. Take care. God bless you all. Hopefully it plays. <laughs> I just got to take it to the end here. Take care again, folks. Great job today. Have a great week.